Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. It's a Monday. Take an extended lunch break. You deserve it here. Monday, February 12th, and the return of Burger Night. Yes, Burger Night is back here better than ever at Capitol Ale House. Get a bacon and cheeseburger for just $2.95 or bacon and beer cheese for $3.95. Not going to find a better deal than that here in town. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. I'm live and local until 3 p.m. And we now turn our attention to the NFL draft here during what I believe is the craziest offseason in the past 20 years for the Washington football franchise. Yes, I didn't call them commanders because... During Dan Quinn's introductory press conference, Josh Harris refused refused to use the word commanders. He said Washington football. I love that. Michael Phillips, the host of MP on the mic, 10 to noon, and me and him have said multiple times, don't get too used to commanders. If we win the Super Bowl in the next two or three years, probably we'll end up keeping that name. We're not going to win the Super Bowl, right? What's going to happen is the name will be changed again, and it'll probably be in line with a new stadium. New stadium, new name, Commanders fans, hopefully by 2028 or 2029. But this offseason, Washington is searching for a new quarterback, and it's most likely going to be one of three names. Three college quarterback prospects, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels, who are all being projected to going in the top five of the NFL draft. Let me break down the three for you real quick here. Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner, DMV product that went to Oklahoma, followed Lincoln Riley to USC and had a ton of success, won the Heisman Trophy. This year, everybody had their eyes on Caleb, had a a bit of a down year. Defenses were, were keyed in on him. I think he probably had one eye on the NFL. He's trying to do too much because his defense was lacking talent. And he had a down season. He just did. And because of that, you know, you had a lot of college prospects take swings at him. All right? And they were taking shots at Caleb, saying he's not special and all this stuff. I believe that he's the next Patrick Mahomes-like talent. Will he get to that level? You have to assume he has to get to uh, the right situation, right? Patrick Mahomes doesn't become Patrick Mahomes unless he's teamed up with Andy Reid and a powerful Kansas City Chiefs franchise, right? But I believe Caleb has the arm strength, has the playmaking ability, and the athleticism to be like a Patrick Mahomes light. Drake May, a lot of people assume the UNC product will go number two. And I think you could argue that he's the most NFL-ready guy. There's been a lot of comparisons to Josh Allen. He's, he's big. He's strong. He can run outside of the pocket. He can run people over. He can throw on the run. He could be a pocket passer. Uh, the one thing I have on Drake May as a knock is... If he was that good in high school, why would he end up at UNC? And it's not like he won the ACC when he was at UNC. No, that was Florida State. Then there's Jaden Daniels, this year's Heisman Trophy winner. A lot of upside with Jaden Daniels. Why? Because he's being compared to Lamar Jackson. I think he's the biggest risk. Uh, he's, he's a younger quarterback. He is super athletic, but I don't know that he has the... Uh, the mechanics to be a great NFL quarterback. He certainly can make plays with his legs, a la Lamar Jackson. So you have Jaden, who's probably the biggest swing for the fences. You have Drake May, who's probably the biggest ready to play right now. And you have Caleb, who I think has the uh, the lowest, uh, the highest floor, 
Like, Caleb is going to be a 10-year starter in the NFL, and I believe he's going to eventually be a pro bowler. Uh, that's how high I am on Caleb Williams. What do you want the commanders to do this offseason? 833-804-0910 the question of the day here on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for the The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. So when Josh Harris speaks, we all listen. Why? Because he takes over for the devil himself, Dan Snyder, to become the franchise's next owner. And all the moves that he's made so far, I've liked, right? He fired Maron Rivera on the Monday following the commander's regular season. During that press conference, he admitted that he probably should have moved on from Ron earlier, but they had mutual respect for each other. They had an agreement that he would let him play out this season before making any changes. And I respect that out of Josh Harris. As soon as the season was over, he said, bye-bye, Ron. We need to improve. We need to get a guy that's going to be a leader of men. Well, they went out and got the best GM on the market, an assistant GM, Adam Peters, from San Francisco. He's had so much success at past stops in Denver and New England before helping build this franchise, this dynasty of a team in the NFC in the San Francisco 49ers. So you win the GM hire. Then there was a bit of a rocky road with the coaching hire. They're going to argue Dan Quinn was their guy all along. All the reports, though, where they wanted Ben Johnson kind of spurned them. He said, no, I'm going to stay in Detroit. I'm going to be loyal to the Lions and run it back with Jared Goff as the offense coordinator. So the commanders end up hiring Dan Quinn. Well, Josh Harris spoke with CBS 9 in Washington, D.C.'s Chick Hernandez, and they aired that after the Super Bowl. If you missed it, we're going to play some clips right now. Stub, let me hear clip number one from Josh Harris explaining what he was put on this earth to do. It's really unique and exciting to be able to be sitting here today and uh, announcing uh, our new coach and, uh, you know, kind of having gone through the same with the GM. And uh, I feel like we're in a new dawn. I feel like I was kind of put on earth to do this. Uh, I'm lucky and humbled to be able to to be in this situation, but I also feel uh, a tremendous obligation to the city. It is officially the start of the Josh Harris era, Stub. You can't really argue that he could have changed this season. Right, because by the time ownership changed hands officially from Snyder to Josh Harris in the $6.05 billion deal, by the time that happened, it was too late in free agency to go out and make any big signings. The draft had already passed through, and Ron Rivera was getting ready for training camp. They weren't going to fire the head coach. It was truly a full lame duck season with Ron Rivera. I, I, I still would argue that to this day, that I would have fired Ron Rivera with five games left and put a, anybody else in there as the interim coach, Eric Bieniemy, Ryan Kerrigan, anybody, just to get the fans fired up to watch something. But in the end, Josh Harris, it looks like, made the right decision because holding on to Ron led to the team keep losing, and because of that, they got the number two overall pick. And with that comes most likely a new quarterback, or at least the power to make a big-time trade, whether it is to move up to number one or to trade down and regroup with a ton of draft picks for later this year or even next season to really jumpstart the franchise. Look, Josh Harris is the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers who came up with the moniker Trust the Process. I don't think this is going to be a one-year turnaround. I think if you're a Commanders fan, you have to look at it like this. We won four games this year. Four games this year. 
The number you should be circling is between six and seven. You should be able to make a two or a three game improvement with a new coach and hopefully a new quarterback here, 24-20-25. Here's Josh Harris sitting down with CBS 9's Chick Hernandez explaining to him why Dan Quinn was the right guy for the job. Listen, uh, we uh, identified Dan very early. I mean, you heard a lot of it up there in terms of his ability to, to lead, uh, to motivate. There's a small, as he was talking, I was thinking about there's a small fraternity of players, there's a small fraternity of coaches, and to be elite, you've got to attract elite people, right? And so his ability to attract those people really stood out to us. Um, his knowledge of football, I mean, obviously, most notice, noticeably on the defensive side, but generally across the the whole team, his ability to uh, work with Adam, heard a lot of that too. So we identified him and listen, there were a lot of qualified candidates who went through a very thorough process and uh, you know, we ended up with our guy. They ended up with their guy, a leader, right? He can motivate. I mean, stuff. it just sounds like Dan Quinn is everything that they wanted Ron to be, but he just struggled at, right? Yeah, I, I, I fully get you there. Right, so they searched for a replacement for Ron they kind of ended up with Ron 2.0, but a vet, better version of him, right? He's a retread. He's a guy that's been a head coach before and went to a Super Bowl. Ron Rivera was a head coach before and went to a Super Bowl. He's a defensive-minded guy. Where did Ron struggle? He's a defensive-minded guy, but the defense never lived up to the expectations. And he's a leader who can motivate. Ron's biggest issue this season was it felt like he was checked out. He admitted he did not have the motivational tactics that he used to have. He didn't even have a halftime speech when they were down at home to the Chicago Bears. To me, it feels like they replaced Ron Rivera with a better version of Ron. Now, you could argue, well, that's, well, that's why we didn't like Ron Rivera 2.0. But that's why I, I said, look, I think the quickest way to get strong and be competitive in the NFL is to be good, if not elite, on the defensive side of the ball. Dan Quinn should be able to help out with that. Dan Quinn brought in Cliff Kingsbury to fix the offensive side of the ball. The problem with Ron is that he had his paw prints on the offense, the defense, the special teams, the front office, the NFL draft, free agency, the name change. I mean, Ron had his dirty fingerprints on everything for the past four years. It was just way too much. He was wearing too many hats. He was the commander-in-chief of the commanders. That's way too much. You can't be the president and also be the coach of this team and think you're going to be successful. Dan Quinn will be able to focus on being a leader. He's going to have wit called plays on the defensive side of the ball so that he can focus on other things. He's going to have Kingsbury control the offensive side of the ball so that he can control what is the motivational tactics that he's going to take place to make sure that this team is inspired to go out there and play their hard outs. And really, I truly believe that this is a team that was not playing for the head coach and they weren't even playing for each other because he lost the locker room. They were playing for a bag of money towards the end of the year and you could see that with some of the angles they took on hits. They didn't want to get themselves hurt. You could see that with some of the plays that the the star players would make going out and trying to do too much. Uh, just it was, a, it was a complete failure of a season on all fronts, and most of that was, in my mind, due to the head coach just not having – just not having this team under lock, right? Like, they just did whatever they want, it felt like. And um, I blame Ron. So I like the Dan Quinn hire. I really like Kingsbury because I feel like that's a swing for the fences type hire. If it misses, 
So what? Move on in two years and bring in another offensive coordinator. But at least you try with a guy that's been a head coach before. And look, this is a this is a regime they're putting together that's all about second chances. It's Dan Quinn's second chance. He wants to learn from the mistakes he made in Atlanta and the things he learned being the D.C. very successfully last three years with the Dallas Cowboys. Kingsbury wants to learn from the mistake that he made as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals and be able to learn off of the success he had in the, uh, most recently with U.S and Caleb Williams and Josh Harris is trying to figure out how to right the ship that is the Washington Commanders in year two of the Josh Harris era. If you want to chime in 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. I'll be right back. I feel like I was kind of put on earth to do this. Uh, I'm lucky and humbled to be able to, to be in this situation, but I also feel uh, a tremendous obligation to the city. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So just getting back here this weekend to Richmond after the Bud Light Big Game Week 5 live shows in Vegas. And I'll tell you guys, that was just Josh Harris. I hope Josh can be the guy that brings me to a Super Bowl to actually cover my favorite team, right? That's what I was so uh, jealous about, speaking with Danon Hughes, who does the Chiefs Radio Network, or Soren Petro, who's live in Kansas City and joined us from Radio Row. They are covering a dynasty, otherwise known as the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what I'm so jealous about, is I was out there having fun, and I will say, it felt like outside of the Chiefs and 49ers, a lot of the NFL conversations were about Dan Quinn, Kingsbury, Caleb Williams, and the future of the Washington Commanders, uh, but it was not our team that was front and center playing in the big game as the Chiefs took down the 49ers in Super Bowl 58 Sunday night in Vegas, 25-22, to become the first team in the NFL in 19 seasons to repeat as Super Bowl champions. They've now won three titles in the last decade. All of the constants there, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, who took home his third career Super Bowl MVP award, becoming the only third player, only the third player in NFL history to do so. That's the lead story as we go around the NFL here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL, NFL Hits on A1 Radio. All right, hear me out, Stubb, all right? And, and, and check me on this. I don't want to okay. sound misogynistic here. I really don't. But the first winner in winners of losers of the big game has to be Taylor Swift fans. I'm just so jealous of the fact that they've been watching football for four months and are celebrating a Super Bowl. All right, so I have a, I have a friend named Maddie, all right, who okay. had a party last night with – and I watched her Instagram stories, and I'm just getting triggered by it this morning because it's like 15 <laughs> girls, and all the the whole Super Bowl theme was Taylor Swift. They were hanging Taylor Swift albums on the wall, you know, hanging Taylor Swift quotes. They were all wearing uh, T-shirts and long sleeve shirts that they got. We support Taylor's boyfriend. They were all in on the bit, and they're posting Instagram videos of them celebrating them winning the Super Bowl like they've been waiting 40 years for this to happen. And that I'm so jealous of this, and so. That's my, my first winner of the big game is just Taylor Swift fans. They never had to deal with heartbreak that I've had year after year after year. They picked up the sport. They just learned about what first downs are six months ago, and now they're hoisting a fake Lombardi 
trophy singing this is Taylor's version, and I'm losing my freaking mind, Stop. I think that's fair, you know, for anyone who, who joins a team. You know, we'd, we'd call them a bandwagon if it wasn't just a Taylor Swift thing. If anyone was like, right. oh, I'm a Chiefs oh, fan. Oh, they're bandwagon. Year. Yeah, they right, are. They, but they chose. Right, Taylor just happened to date one of the best players on one of the best team in the best dynasty of the last 20 years in the NFL. It's just so unfair. Why couldn't she have dated Brock Purdy? Why couldn't she have dated, you know, S- Sam Howell? Zach like, Wilson. Like, come on now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. Yes, it would have been perfect if she was dating Zach Wilson, right? Or Joe Flacco. Instead, she's with Travis Kelsey. He's the best tight end we've had maybe in the history of the sport. It's just unfair. So the first winner of the week is all the Taylor Swift fans out there that were celebrating the Super Bowl uh, basically like it was uh, the greatest thing in the world, and they they don't know what losing feels like. That's what (laughs) I'm so pissed off about. Dude, if this three-peat happens, it's gonna, know. people are going to be really not happy oh, with I know. Taylor Swift. Oh, oh, I know. <laughs> Believe me, they're not gonna, the Swifties out there, they're not going to stop watching football. All right, They're going to be back next year for Travis to run it back. And that's what he said. They're ready for a three-peat. They're going to try to make it happen. My first loser of the week, though, loser of the big game, it's actually a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco. Stubb, I was getting ready to blame him for the loss, man. He, he's known for running like an animal, right? He runs so hard, but he ran too hard and fumbled. And then he had the other play where they pitched it to him, and he dropped the pitch. I was getting ready to blame Isaiah Pacheco for the loss, so I'm giving him one of the losers of the game. Fair enough. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it did not seem like Pacheco was doing a lot, especially when you compare him to CMC on the other end, putting up 160 yeah. yards, 80 rushing, 80 receiving. Who you got, winner and loser of the big game? My first winner is going to be the kickers. The the Niners kicker goes out there, sets an NFL record for longest kick in Super Bowl history. What was it, 56 yards? It it was like 54, and then 10 minutes later, the Chiefs break the record with the 57. (laughs) (laughs) It was was pretty incredible. That's a good winner of the week to pick the kickers there uh, because both of them broke the record. Like That's obviously never happened before. We have two kickers break a record uh, simultaneously there in one game. Good choice there. I'll go with the easy winner of the week here. Not just Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes' legs, right? When he yeah. scrambles, he always gets the yards he needs. And he and it's so smart because he doesn't do it too often, right? He definitely doesn't run it, uh, you know, more than five or six times a game. He's not like he's Lamar Jackson or anything like that. But when he runs, when he does decide to try to pick up the first down, he almost always does. He did it twice in that final drive. Uh, he was just terrific for the game. Nine carries, 66 yards, 22 uh, long yard run there in, in the final drive, 7.3 yards per carry. He had a, several times he picked up a key third down, even a fourth down. Patrick Mahomes' legs have to be a winner of the week. Hey, fair enough. All right, I got a loser here, and it's someone who didn't play, and that would be Kadarius Tony. Poor, <laughs> poor Kadarius Tony. They yeah. made it to the he playoffs. He still gets a ring, though. They said, <laughs> we can't rely on you anymore. We're, we're going to say you're sick. We're going to bench you healthy for the Super Bowl. We're done with you. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Uh, here's one. All right. San Francisco 49ers defensive end. Not Chase Young. Chase Young made some plays. I'm going to give loser of the week to Nick Bosa. Oh. Nick Bosa 
four tackles, two tackles for losses, no sacks, didn't show up on the final drive. I think a lot of people would argue that he was outplayed by Chase Young, who made that one big play on Patrick Mahomes, forcing him to throw it away, and then the other play where he made the sack. They were talking more about Chase Young than they were Nick Bosa. Even though Bosa is supposed to be an all-pro player, I felt like he didn't show up enough for the 49ers defense there. He's one of my losers of the week. This feels like what I would expect from Chase Young. Not show up until it's the Super Bowl and the most people yeah. are watching him. Yep. Just, uh, whoo. Who knows where he'll be next year, and I don't think he's going to make a lot of money, even with a good Super Bowl game. Yep. I'm going to go winner of the week here, Travis Kelsey. I, I just thought Kelsey, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't like the way he shoved Andy Reid on the sideline, and I love Andy Reid. And as soon as I saw that, I said, get your hands off my grandpa. All right, that is like my favorite coach in the history of the NFL. And, I, I mean, I was almost crying the way he kind of stumbled and almost fell to the ground. But Travis Kelsey came back in the second half and was terrific. Ten targets, nine receptions. The only one he dropped was the throw to the end zone that would have won the game uh, there. It was a bad throw by Mahomes. But really, Travis Kelsey, it was the big play he had on that final drive in regulation where he took Fred Warner and he just broke his ankles. He had a little bit of leverage outside. He faked outside, cut inside. It was a drag route, and he took it for 22 yards. It was his longest reception of the game. He got the Chiefs all the way down to the 11-yard line, and it kind of like opened up the Kansas City offense there to continue to play well in overtime. Kelsey ends up as the leading receiver, not just for the Chiefs, but for both teams. Winner of the week, nine receptions, 93 yards for Travis Kelsey. And then for a loser, we talked about the tight end battle all week. Where was George Kittle? Yeah. Just Believe me, I had a bet on George Kittle uh, over in catches. Lost that one. He was only two receptions for four yards. Now, he did have the one, I think it was a fourth down catch, but he got like one yard on the play. Yeah, right? it's just uh, he didn't show up. He's yeah. supposed to be like top three tight ends in the league, and he wasn't there. I know. I, I, it I was think, surprising. Look, I, I've always said George Kittle is a great tight end because he can block and he can catch, and I think he did good blocking, right? Like, I don't know if McCaffrey ends up with 80 yards rushing if George Kittle didn't have a good blocking game, but they were not able to open up for him in, in the receiving game. You know who had a better game than George Kittle? Kyle Juszczyk, the fullback, <laughs> who's barely used. He had the first pa catch of the game, and then another one, two catches for 31 yards. Yeah, I mean, Christian McCaffrey had the most receiving yards on the Niners by 31. Yeah. Just not, not a lot of receiving going on for no, the not at Niners all. this game. All right, so my final loser of the week, Kyle Shanahan. I, I started the show with this. I think he lost the 49ers that game by deferring the coin toss. You win the coin toss. We found out post game that if the forty, if the Chiefs won the coin toss, they were going to defer. They were going to give the 49ers the ball. The 49ers won the coin toss but then decided to take the ball, which was the wrong choice. Stubb, you told me before the Super Bowl that Heads has a better chance of hitting. The original coin toss was Heads. It was. I believe overtime was Tails Never Fails. You right? were correct. And, yep, and the 49ers took the ball, even though they should have obviously given it to the Chiefs with the new rules. And it just it makes so sense, so much sense that Andy he's an NFL historian, right? He studied the new overtime rules and came away with the decision to defer, whereas Kyle Shanahan obviously didn't make sense his decision, right? You know, there was some there was some talk. Maybe he's, he's asking for the ball because his defense was tired. No, we played the audio. He said after the game he wanted the ball first so that if it was tied, they would get that third possession. It was never going to be tied because the Chiefs were going to always 
go for the jugular, go for the win. And that's exactly what they did, and they were victorious. Super Bowl 58 champions, your Kansas City Chiefs. We'll continue to recap the big game, Bud Light, big game recap with Mark Schofield coming up next on The Fan. 13 seconds to go in the overtime, 22-19 San Francisco. McKinnon is in at running back, first down and goal to go. Play action fake, right side throw, touchdown! Kansas City, McCall Hartman! Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Burger Night is back Mondays, back like it never left. Two ninety five for a cheeseburger, or add bacon and beer cheese for just three ninety five. Three p.m. to close every Monday here at Capital Ale House. Joining us right now for the Bud Light Big Game Recap on the Hadimers Rug Cleaning Hotline, it is Mark Schofield. What's going on, Mark? What's going on, Adam? How you doing today, my friend? I'm doing pretty good here. We're going to do dude food coming up next. So uh, give us a, a little bit of a taste of what it was like, uh, your Super Bowl party. What was the food served? Uh, let's see. We started off early, um, early in the afternoon. You get the meat and cheese tray that goes out. We didn't do one of those stadium cheese tube things. That always kind of makes me a little bit annoyed. Like, I don't need architecture for my meat and cheese. Just just get it out on a platter <laughs> for me. That's good. And, of course, I do some wings here. I do three styles. You get a sweet and sour. You get a teriyaki. And, of course, your traditional buffalo that we rolled in with some pizza. Got that delivered right around kickoff. And then we did some halftime nachos, kind of like Ooh. as a pre-dessert kind of thing. America's Test Kitchen has a fantastic sort of nachos recipe that we always do here, my wife and I put together. And so that was the main spread before we rolled into dessert around the, you know, overtime with – some cookies that we made with our daughter on Saturday. So that was kind of the rundown. It went pretty well. Everybody was pretty happy. And we got a pretty good game to watch out of it, too. Yeah, yeah, you did it well. I I, I'm, I definitely made a mistake. I, I filled up on five-layer dip before the game started, and I was just, like, stuffed all the way throughout the game. Yeah, I, I no, think I've, I finished I've the whole there, dip man. myself. I have been there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why I kind of sort of scavenged and picked out the meat and cheese and the veggie train stuff beforehand. Didn't want to go in too hard, you know? Yeah, all right, so let's get to, you know, the meat of the game here, uh, which was overtime, and Kyle Shanahan's decision to defer the ball. Now, uh, Mark, rewind a little bit. Were you aware of the new overtime rules, and what did you think of Kyle Shanahan's decision? So I was aware of them. Um, I had pre-written the piece that we actually put up on Saturday explaining the new rule change just in case. We got this situation, so we're kind of glad we put that up over at SB Nation on Saturday you know, to sort of walk through that. I think going into the decision, because we hadn't seen this before, you know, statistically, Brian Burke, the head of analytics for ESPN, when the rule was announced in March of 22, simulated this scenario like 120,000 times. It was really a coin flip as to whether it was better to defer or whether it was better to get the ball first in the extra series, in the extra overtime frame. But having seen how it unfolded, Adam, I think going forward, more teams are probably going to want to start second, and there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, you know what you have to do. I I think, you know, you see it in the college game, right, with the way their overtime works. You want to go second, so you know what you have to score. 
there is an element to that as well. And clearly the Chiefs after the game talked about how they wanted to go second because they, if they had to, were going to go for two and potentially win the game. But the other thing I think that we saw play out is when you go first, you kind of restrict yourself. You're in sort of three-down territory, right? Because let's say San Francisco faced the fourth and one at their own 29, they probably punt, right? If you get stopped there, game's over. They're going to kick a field goal on the next snap. But when you go second, you're automatically in four-down territory because you know, like, look, if they got a field goal like the Niners did, Chiefs got to go for it. So you're, as a play caller, in a different mindset. You're thinking, I've got four downs here instead of the traditional three for the team that went first. And so I think because of that aspect, in the future, a team is going to want to go second because they'll have that sort of four-down mentality if they have to go down and score. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I I think Kyle Shanahan completely botched it. Uh, Andy Reid, you know, the wise NFL uh, veteran coach that he is, uh, you know, had his team make the right decision and make the right plays to become victorious. I think you said it perfectly, Mark, though. You see it in the college game. Right, You want to know what you need, and, and that's why I think it worked out so well for the Chiefs uh, there to not get the ball first. They knew that they needed a field goal, which is why they were able to go for it on fourth down when they were out of on the outskirts of field goal range and then go all the way to get the game-winning score. And, and I kind of disagree with what Kyle Shanahan said, which was after the game that we wanted to get the ball for the third possession. Well, let's just say that the 49ers went all the way down the field and got a touchdown. I heard, I think it was Chris Jones said after the game, that the the Chiefs were planning to go for two if they had scored a touchdown anyway, so you would not have had a last-lick opportunity if you were the 49ers anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's the other aspect that's at work here is because, again, what I thought was fascinating, Lindsey Jones at the Renner did a tremendous piece on the decision here, and she talked to both players on both teams and how – Look, the Chiefs were talking about this scenario in training camp, which I thought was fascinating because they were thinking all the way back then, look, if we get into a playoff game, the rules are different, we want to go second, and we're going to go for two if we have to to win the game. And, you know, traditionally you might think, oh, you know, you want to have the first crack at sudden death. Well, as you just outlined, the Chiefs weren't going to give you that because if the Niners had gone down the field and scored a touchdown, kicked the PAT, they go up seven. If Kansas City matched it with a TD, they were going for two. So you would either win with your defense or you would have lost with your defense on the field. And that sort of sudden death first crack never would have come to fruition. And so I think, again, because of how this played out, more and more teams are going to say, look, we want to go second now. Now, Shanahan was first. You know, he said he talked to the analytics people. There was a slight, like, you know, half a percentage point difference. But I think now that we've seen how it's played out on the field, teams are going to want to go second. Yeah, I mean, you just you want the game to end with with your offense on the field, and yeah. I feel like every coach would make that decision moving forward to defer. But look, this game I don't think was lost for the 49ers in overtime. I, I circle back to these drives here in the third quarter: three plays, Chiefs throw an interception, 49ers get the ball up 10-3, three plays, punt, Chiefs go three and out, 49ers go three and out, Chiefs get a field goal. 49ers go three and out. I mean, that's where the game was lost in the third quarter where they put up a goose egg. Absolutely. And this was sort of the fear going in, I think, if you were a 49ers fan, was that there was going to be a stretch where Kyle Shanahan was going to really lead into the passing game when you have Christian McCaffrey and you have an offense that can run the ball on Kansas City. And you saw that 
sort of in that third quarter stretch where they go three and out, I think, on three state drives. And I think all but two plays were passes. And yeah. they sort of got into this mode. And you've seen it before. My colleague James Data wrote about this this morning. You know, when he was in Atlanta in Super Bowl 51, they leaned into the pass in the second half of that game and they saw the lead go away against New England. When these two teams played four years ago, again, pass-heavy script in the second half, Chiefs come back and win. And you saw it again on Super Bowl Sunday just yesterday. Pass-heavy script in the second half when you've got a good run game and the lead, Chiefs come back and win. I know, and what's so frustrating is this is now three leads in the second half of the Super Bowl that Kyle Shanahan has thrown. Uh, everybody knows about 28-3 blown lead. Everybody knows about the rematch from 2020, 31-20, your final score, after Patrick Mahomes had two interceptions and it looked like the 49ers uh, could have won that game. And then the same thing yesterday, he decides to throw the ball too much here, and it cost him. And... Uh, you know, I, I, you know, kind of all week long when I was broadcasting live from Vegas, part of the conversation about the game was, would Kyle Shanahan change his play calling, you know, to to meet the fact that that his his team is a good running team, right? This is Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. You don't want to be in a shootout between these two quarterbacks. And the second half wasn't that high scoring, but kind of was a shootout between two quarterbacks, and Patrick Mahomes got it done. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And look, you know, we, we, this is not the first time a team has gone up against Kansas City in these playoffs and sort of gone against what they've done well. I mean, you look at Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. They have such a dynamic run game. They have such talented runners. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, what he can do with his legs, too. And the running backs just get six carries in that game, which was largely a one-score game for most of the contest. Buffalo, in the division round, they had 124 rushing yards at halftime. And you just... As a play caller, it's just you've got that specter of Patrick Mahomes. You're thinking, we just got to score points. We've got to throw the ball. And I was worried that Kyle Shanahan was going to, you know, not learn from those two teams, Buffalo and Baltimore. And that's exactly what happened. He didn't learn from what befell them. Now, look, they got McCaffrey involved, you know, the drive in overtime, and that was nice and all, but it was too little too late. Mark Schofield here with us on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Before we let you go, uh, did you want to share uh, what, have, what were your best bets that you hit? Like, I I, pick, I took Kansas City money line at halftime and ended up hitting that one, obviously. I mean, I took Kansas City going in. You know, I like uh-huh. KC going in. Um, I thought this was going to three, be a three point game. I thought it was going to be, my prediction was KC 27, uh, San Francisco 24. Um, mm. So, yeah, that one was good. I saw a buddy of mine hit like an eight-way parlay with like, I, I think he had like Pacheco one reception in there as well. Um, I don't <laughs> know all the legs of it that he hit, but it was really impressive, so I'm happy for him. But, yeah, I mean, just, you know, Kansas City picking them. I, 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 it was shaky. I went back and forth on it, but glad I did. Yeah, I mean, look, that was kind of the story all week long. Is Rarely do you have an opportunity to take – the greatest quarterback of all time in an right. underdog situation, and I'm glad I did. Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl 58 champions. Mark, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Adam. Have a great week. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. You can always tweet us at AWOD Radio or at 910 The Fan. Dennis sent me a photo stub of his Super Bowl spread, and he actually did the thing Mark was talking about where he kind of made the cheese board into an NFL stadium, 
And I will say, it looks awesome. So we're going to discuss the best food that was served at the big game or your big game party next on Dude Food on the Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Hill House here in Innsbruck. Come on by, grab a beer, and check out the show. Take an extended lunch break here on a Monday. You deserve it as Burger Night is back and better than before here at Capitol Ale House from 3 p.m. until midnight. Get a great deal on our seared and smashed quarter and half pound burgers with any beverage purchase. It's just $2.95 for a, burger, a cheeseburger or $3.95 for bacon and beer cheese. All the burgers are smashed and seared with onions, topped with lettuce, pickles, tomatoes, and onions. It's always good here at Capital Ale House, my favorite place in town to get a burger. And, of course, Richmond is the burger capital of America. And speaking of food, we wanted to recap everybody's Super Bowl parties. What did you serve uh, to your friends? Where did you watch the game? Give us a call right now, 833-804-0910. What was the best thing you ate last night while watching the Chiefs against the 49ers? Here on Dude Food. Dude Food. We're not responsible for the content of this program or anything we say when we're really hungry. Where's my food? Dude, where's my food? The most delicious food you've ever tasted. Yes! How can he piss off a flip-flop? <laughs> All right, Stubb, why don't you kick us off here? Set the scene. What was your watch party situation? Was at a friend's house. All my my friends in Richmond. There was probably about 20 of us there. Everyone brought at least something. Uh, Not not that much seating, but there was uh, plenty of food. (laughs) Uh, House of size of the TV. What are we talking here? Moderate. Good. Good enough, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any buffering issues? <laughs> uh, there was one moment where it, it did freeze, uh, uh-huh. and, and it kind of crashed. Uh, Paramount crashed, uh, but then we're <laughs> all good from that point on. There's no buffering, no quality loss. Okay, okay. Uh, I've, I've said this multiple times. Uh, 2024, you're the girlfriend for AWOD, and uh, it came in clutch on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, woke up, and uh, my girlfriend had already had plans for what we were going to serve people. Had about four friends over to the AWOD Theater to watch the big game on my big TV and uh, new sound system. So I'll go through the things we ordered and uh, the things that we made here and give you a rating. Stub, you can chime in as well. I'll All start right. with what I think was the best thing, which was the five-layer championship dip. It was the Costco version, right? It's guac, sour cream, salsa, cheese, and and beans. I love refried beans in a dip. I just oh, think yeah. it's so good. But here's what made it so good, stuff. For the first time in my lifetime, I did not go with uh, circle tortilla chips. We went with tortilla strips. They're like Rip. little rectangles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so strong. They're great for <laughs> dipping because they don't break in half. And that's what made the five-layer championship dip yeah. so good. I'll give that an 8.5 out of 10. A Frito scoop will uh, do the same thing there. I think I think that's okay. the, the ultimate dipper is a Frito yeah. scoop. And they're a bit rectangular yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then you're, you're ta- you get a Frito taste instead of a tortilla taste. That's true. That is a different experience altogether. I'll give you that. Yeah. All right. What, what about you? All right, well, I'm going to lead in with the buff chick dip. It was the best thing I had that night. I, it, no matter who makes it, no matter how it's made, I just am so in love with buffalo chicken dip. 9.8 yeah. out of 10. I love really? buff chick dip. 
What was the uh, what was the chips or, or breading used there to was uh, a, dip for it? There was a lot of chips all around. I just went with a classic uh, Tostito scooper. Yeah. Uh, and I think mainly that. I, I tried a, a, a ruffle chip in there, didn't like it as much, went back to the scoopers. <laughs> yeah. So was that was that like a first quarter serving? Was that a pregame serving? So, uh, when we, did you I got have there that? about two hours before the game. A lot of people yeah. did. So I, I did most of my eating pregame. Okay, cool. Um, so let's get to – we'll get back to the food. I want to get to what we drank. Uh, we had Bud Light, Big Game Beer, but also Sunny D Seltzer for the first time. Oh, That yeah. was great, dude. You should try that stuff. It tastes like a soda with a little bit – like an orange soda with a little vodka in it. It was amazing. Yeah, I've had the Simply Lemonade Seltzers, which are, okay. are different and okay, but I'll try that because I love a, I love a screwball or screwdriver. Yeah. What'd you guys drink? I uh, I drove there, so so no no alcohol for me. Uh, just okay. stuck to some Dr. Peppers. Nice. Oh, hey, Dr. Pepper's a good choice. Yeah, for I, the Super and Bowl. I I brought Dr. Pepper to the Super Bowl, and then I ended up having like three cans of my own. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, we had Andy Reid's favorite pigs in a blanket. Ooh. Uh, homemade, bought little hot dog buns and and crescent rolls. Topped them with um, everything bagel seasoning. Those were a 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, the only issue was is that we made them, I think, too early, and then I kind of let them sit out, and they were a little bit colder by the time I ate them. That's what the only thing is holding them back from being a higher rating, but they were certainly good. Homemade. Awesome. Yeah, we, and we had some homemade pizza bagels. Ooh. They were a lot bigger. They had a lot more <laughs> stuff going on, a lot more natural. Those were real uh -huh. good. Wait, were they, like, made with real bagels? Yeah. Well, no, they're not real bagels. I, I, I don't oh. know if they, they shaped like, the dough or they were mini bagels. I, I only uh -huh. saw kind of the end of the cooking process. They weren't yep. full bagel-sized, but they were bigger than a pizza bagel. I like that. I think, uh, my, I think buddy brought over, oh, good. my buddy brought over chips and Kelsey sauce. It didn't show up until the second half. But um, <laughs> 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 All right, uh, you're up next. <laughs> I'm throwing out terrible That was, that was what you were getting. Uh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. a lot of chips and dip. A lot of veggie yeah. plays and dip, you know, the ranch, yeah. the French onion, the avocado salsa. Mm -hmm. A lot of dip. I, I, I really did. It was, I pretty much only ate chips and dip plus a slice of pizza. Okay. We, we had, well, you, this is what you were missing. We had Mahomes meatballs, granny style. Ugh, meatballs. All right, which is the way my grandma used to make them, uh, J JL, all right, my, my step grandma, which is you take uh, barbecue sauce and jello. Put them together in a slow cooker and let the meatballs marinate there for about four or five hours on the slow cooker. They are so great when they're piping hot. Amazing. Okay. I'll take the your homes, word on that. Meatballs, granny style. Give it a nine out of ten. Ooh. Anything else you wanted to add? Let's see. I, I, I'm really trying to rack my brain here. I mean, I only I, I brought to the function some some avocado dip, pretzel chips, and Dr Pepper. Didn't make okay. anything. Not, wait, wait. What's really the difference a... between avocado dip and guacamole? Nothing really. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I bought. I, I went to the like local gas station. That's what they had. That's what I bought. Oh boy! Moved on. The gas station dip. I'm not well, going to get that. It a was good the rating. it was the Frito Lay dip. Oh, we're getting okay. a call. Okay. Phone lines are open. Eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. The best thing we served though, we didn't bring it out until overtime. Overtime Oreo balls as a dessert. Uh, unbelievable. Got to give my girlfriend credit on this. She like mashed Oreos down a whole packet of Oreos that is I mean you could I could have just eaten the dust of Oreos but then you put uh, cream cheese in it melt it together into a ball let it sit into the fridge and then you top it with like white chocolate sauce Ooh. and then let that sit it was amazing it felt like you were eating 
uh, an Oreo that was deep fried in chocolate. It was a 10 out of 10 overtime Oreo balls. By far the best thing that was served. My, my buddy Chris had about three of them in overtime. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't stop eating them. Uh, and it was just perfect that it was the first time we had a new overtime game here and we had Oreo balls. Oh, I'm jealous of that. Yeah, for oh, sure. Wow. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. We got Coach on the fan. What's going on, Coach? Hey, Mudge, why what's happening? What was the best thing that you ate at your big game party last night? Oh, uh, man, I went with a barbecue thing, McCain City Barbecue time, kind of night on. Uh, the best thing I had that night, I'm going to say the, the ribs. They had some good ribs, man. Man, so you that yeah, is stuff that is, coach is onto something that yeah, we both yeah, slept is. on there. The Kansas City theme to have barbecue, great choice, man. So, did you cook this barbecue yourself, or did you go over to a buddy's house? No, I got it from a local uh, local barbecue spot. It's pretty good. I, okay. I know I ain't gonna call no names, man. We we we, we want to get paid for advertising, but uh, it was pretty good. Ay, and uh, I had some buffalo dip too, uh, a couple drinks. We had some Modelo. Oh, well, really there you go. Bud Light. Bud Light, <laughs> how you running to try, try back and forth to the bathroom, man. <laughs> I appreciate you chiming in, Coach. I hope everybody enjoyed the big game. Chiefs win and become the first team to win back-to-back in 19 years with a 25-22 to victory thanks to a score in overtime. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.